If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Truth in My Days podcast is sponsored by the Truth in My Days ministry. Welcome to the Truth in My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men. Hello all. Just as a reminder, this is part two of a multi-part series. Today, we have Sonia interviewing John. The Gospel according to John is challenged by skeptics because it is so different from the other three Gospel books. Presenting a clear picture of Jesus as the divine Son of God and a clear picture of the gospel of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Skeptics have long claimed that John was published late in AD 90s and that these elements are legendary elements that developed over a long period of time. However, these attacks are bogus. First, as we saw, even if John had been published in the 90s, that would still have it be within the lifetime of eyewitnesses who could confirm or deny these elements. People today can remember back to World War II times and the Holocaust. True, average lifespans were shorter in Roman times than today, but that was mainly because deaths in childhood and military encounters. Those who survived could expect to live as long as we do today. In fact, liberal scholars seem to realize this and originally claim the gospel books were written after AD 130 and John no earlier than AD 160. Now we continue the discussion. So even if the gospel according to John were published in the 90s, it wouldn't be enough time for the facts to be displaced by legend. And I think that liberal scholars recognized that Skeptics recognize that, and this is why initially they try to push the date of the gospel books far beyond that time. They try to push it well into the second century and even the later part of the second century. Uh, One very influential scholar, F.C. Bauer of the Tübingen School in Germany, back in the 19th century, and this is a good illustration, actually, of how liberal scholarship works. And unfortunately, to a large extent, how scholarship in general works when you're outside of hard sciences like engineering. F.C. Bauer came up with this view based on the study of certain documents called the Clementines. And the Clementines were two writings purporting to be from a fellow called Clement, which some suggested might be the Clement who wrote that book, First Clement, in the first century, one of the so-called apostolic writings. Uh, Some suggested that it could be the Clement who's mentioned in the New Testament in passing, and one of Paul's uh, salutations could be that those were the same person. But these writings showed up, a couple of documents, uh, going into a lot of detail about Clement's association with Paul and his uh, supposed conversion. Now, there's no mention of these anywhere in the historical record until Eusebius mentions it in the year 325, 325, so long after after eyewitnesses or New Testament times. Bauer was actually a philosopher. He was a, a follower of Hegelian philosophy. 
Hegelian philosophy was a system devised by George Georg Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel in the very late 18th century, mostly the early 19th century. And Hegel had a view of history that he described as the dialectic. He said all of history hinges on conflict. The situation as it is, he called the thesis. And whenever there's a thesis, it always gives rise to an opposing force, an antithesis or antithesis. And the thesis and the antithesis fight until they unite into a new thesis that he called the synthesis. They come together. That synthesis then becomes the status quo, the current thesis. It gives rise to yet another antithesis. And again, you have conflict until they resolve into a synthesis, which then becomes the new thesis, and another antithesis rises, and so on. And this was his view of, of what drives history. It was very influential on in things like uh, Marxism and Darwinism. And it was influential on F.C. Bauer. So he, in his mind, concocted the idea that Christianity as we know it came out of a dialectic, a conflict between Jewish Christianity, which he called Petrine Christianity, it's from Peter, and Gentile Christianity, Pauline Christianity, it came from Paul. And these two forces were in constant struggle until they united into a synthesis, which is what he called the, the church. The church that eventually developed was the synthesis of this battle. Uh, he gave no evidence for this view at all. In fact, his arguments really have to be accounted a farce. You remember there's a part in Acts where Paul faces down... Sorry, I correct that. Peter, not Paul. The scene in Acts, chapter 8, where Peter faces down this magician, Simon Magus. Well, in the Clementines, there, there's an incident... This incident is recorded, and Bauer speculated that this was hidden code, that Simon Magus actually represented Pauline Christianity, and so this was some kind of coded message showing the battle between Petrine and Pauline Christianity. So on the basis of this non-basis, there's no evidence, he cooked up this view and then said that, well, the gospel books came out of this, this conflict resolution, so they had to have been written very, very late. And what dates did he pick? Well, he said Matthew was the first. It was written around the year A.D. 130, and Luke around 150, and a mark a little later. John, he said because it has this well-developed picture of Jesus, couldn't possibly have been earlier than the year 160 and probably 170 or later. And he published this in the year 1844. And this was accepted as what they called, quote, the assured results of critical scholarship. Do you see anything in there that could remotely be considered scholarship? No, it, it seems like more like the, the results of his imagination. It's not scholarship at all. It's not based on any actual evidence to support his view. It ignores the, the vast amount of 
evidence we have among the early Christian writers as to who wrote the gospel books and when and how Christianity developed. But for liberal scholarship, it doesn't matter. What matters is some view that allows you to discredit Christianity and its foundational documents. Another example in here of how bogus this is, as I said, Bauer put Matthew, the first gospel book, at the year A.D. 130. What evidence did he bring for that? Why 130? Please note that this is a multi-part series. If you have missed any episodes and would like to listen to them, they will all be available on our YouTube channel and on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can find the links to these on our website, truthinmydays.com, or you can look for Truth In My Days on YouTube as one word. Did he have some manuscripts? No manuscripts, no evidence. The reason was simply this. If he assumed that Jesus died in the year 30, let's just add 100 years to that to make sure it's out of eyewitness times. So that 130 is pulled off the top of his head. And since Matthew is the first, you have to put later dates on the other books. And this, folks, believe it or not, this is what passes for critical scholarship. And this is what everybody accepted because, hey, a scholar said so. Now, we love scholarship. We're, we're starting, I think some of us are becoming guilty of scholarolatry, and we don't realize how much of scholarship isn't actually scholarship at all. And that's why what we have to do is insist on evidence. If you find the, uh, the video of my debate with Dr. Shabir Ali, it's on YouTube, and, and look at my opening statement, that's what I had to hammer down. Because opponents of Christianity will simply tell you, scholars say this, scholars say that, scholars say Matthew was written in 130, as if that settles it. doesn't. It's only the evidence that, that settles it. And evidence overrides liberal skeptics' claims. In the case of Bauer, for almost 100 years, scholars accepted these dates with no question the assured results of critical scholarship, because Bauer said so. And that was it. And it didn't change until 1935. A year earlier than that, a a graduate student named uh, Colin Roberts, working at uh, the John Rylands Library, attached to the University of Manchester, he came across a little scrap of papyrus, an ancient manuscript that had been dug up at Oxyrhynchus in Egypt by archaeologists. That's a, a huge mound of garbage, essentially. It was a garbage dump. And it was filled with things covering centuries and included a lot of written documentation. And because Oxyrhynchus is in the desert, it's very dry. These things survived. Papyrus, which is the uh, writing material on which things were written in the first century, including the original copies of the gospel books, it's not very, it's, it's, it's not a very secure thing. It's not something that lasts for a long time. It breaks down easily, which is why we don't have a lot. It's only in really dry places where it survived. And so this garbage dump at Oxyrhynchus survived. And they dug out of all these little scraps of New Testament writings. 
a lot of other things as well. It very much enhanced our knowledge of Koine Greek from the first century. But there was this little scrap that had not been identified, had been sent to the John Rylands Library. And Roberts, when he looked at it, he put together letters on it, he realized that this was uh, actually from the Gospel according to John. It was not a big thing, maybe the size of a credit card or so, but it was clearly from the Gospel according to John. And the date of this was dated pale- paleographically by the, the writing style, like all the ancient uh, documents were. He could have dated it anywhere from about the year 80 up to about the year 125. He picked the latest possible date in that range. He said dates to around 125. And here's the significance of that. Remember that the assured results of critical scholarship told us that John could not possibly have been written before 160 at the earliest. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. But please join us for the next part, same time and same place. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. If you like our content, please share this information with family and friends. It helps us a lot. We also would love to hear from you. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Truth In My Days as one word again. Truth In My Days as one word. No spaces in between. Or reach us by email at info at truthinmydays.com. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is truthinmydays.com. Thank you.